360 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to read through your first hobby board game rulebook. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games that don't require a teacher. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's Core Set, and Quirky Circuit's Penny and Gizmo's Snow Day. Then, we talk about games that even a non-hobby gamer could easily learn on their own. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Recently, I got a review copy of Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's core set, which is a long name. Uh, but this is... <laughs> Just wait until we get to my recently played. It's, it's <laughs> actually longer, I think. Oh my god. But the, this is a game published in 2022, designed by Sean Fletcher and published by The Op. And there's actually already an expansion out for it. If you noticed that the game was called Core Set, this is an expandable game that's going to have a lot of different Disney characters in it. But Disney Sorcerer's Arena... I'm just going to call it that from now on, um, is a skirmish game, a one versus one or two versus two fighting game. So like, there's a board with hexagonal grid on it and you have different characters and they can move around on the board and attack other characters. Each player is a summoner and you control three characters if, in the one versus one game. And in the two versus two game, you each control two characters. So it's four versus four in that one. But you're trying to attack the other characters and kill them for points. And then when they die, they come back to life the next turn. Or there's like spots in the middle of the board that give you one point if you're on it at the beginning of your turn. So you get more points from killing people because the different characters range from like four to seven points for killing them, I think. Oh, nice. And the characters are all different. So if you're familiar with Disney, <laughs> there's a lot of different characters. So in the core set, there are eight characters. There's Ariel, Maleficent, Gaston, Sully, Mickey, Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey, Aladdin, Demona, and Dr. Facilier. So those characters are all in the core set. That's a pretty nice variety of Disney yeah. characters. Yeah, it's a range of like, heroes and villains and Pixar, and they have different powers too. So Ariel is like a healer. Gaston and Sully are like big tank people. Like they have a lot of health and they're hard to kill when they punch really hard. <laughs> and Aladdin's like really fast. So all, all the characters are different thematic too. So Aladdin's fast and he like runs around and steals things. <laughs> and um, uh, Maleficent's like a shooty um, sorcerer range. Yeah fireballs and stuff um, but the way the game plays is each character has a deck of cards and so like you can do a basic movement and a basic attack which is just going to be like a number or you can play your card to do movement or attack and they have different movement and attack cards per the character so you'd have to like play that character's specific card to have them get their special actions and then each person has the special skills that they can do too it's very similar feeling to unmatched which is another one versus one or two versus two <laughs> skirmish battle game that I mentioned a few months ago, I think. We've talked about Unmatched a, a handful of times on here, I believe, yeah. like at least in passing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like Disney Sorcerer's Arena is going to get compared to Unmatched a lot because it's very similar. But I think it might be slightly more accessible. I'm not sure. It's very similar. So the main difference, I think, between this and Unmatched is that in Unmatched, when someone attacks you with a card, you have like a defense card you can play. But in Disney Sorcerer's Arena, on your turn, like no one else does anything. You just do your turn. And then when you attack, it just does that much damage and stuff. So I think that's easier to keep track of than in Unmatched. 
So it's like easier to calculate damage because it's just the number and instead of like having to do a attack and defense thing. I actually like that part because I like being able to know what you do on your turn and not getting blocked by other people. For the most part, except for some powers like Aladdin, he makes you discard cards, uh, banish cards, which is like remove them from the game because he steals them, which is really thematic. But like other than that, banishing cards, like for the most part, like what you have in your hand, you're gonna be able to plan ahead for your turn unless someone has like that one special power that lets them discard a card from your hand and I like that part too because I like like being able to plan my turn ahead and for me in a casual skirmish game not having the response block cards feels more fair to me like when someone plays a powerful blocking card to me it feels less fair than when they have a powerful card and they play it on their turn I don't know why and <laughs> it's just like how I feel like I'm fine with when they like have a huge powerful card on their turn and, and then to kill me but like if if I have an attack and then they have a powerful blocking card then I'm like oh that's not fair <laughs> so I I don't know why but but yeah so for me I like this better than Unmatched I also like the Disney theme a lot better for game time wise it says on BGG 35 minutes uh, my games took longer than that so for your first game, there's a lot of reading on cards because you're playing cards and that's going to make it take longer because people are just going to be reading the cards. But I think after both players are comfortable with the game, it could probably be around 30 minutes because there's like maybe three or four rounds of six character turns in each round in the game. So it could go pretty fast if people are comfortable with the cards. But for like the first games, it's going to take a long time, I think. Component-wise, the game had nice acrylic standees, which I liked. The art is similar to the app that the game is based off of, which is like Disney characters that look a little bit more um, more edgy than than like the normal Disney characters, I guess. But I, I liked the acrylic standees; they're very shiny and nice. But at first, I didn't realize there's a plastic film on top of both sides of the acrylic, and they're really hard to peel off. So like I have done that with that. so many things in my life, not just yeah. acrylic, but like like new electronics and things like I won't realize there's a film on something. And then like, yeah. yeah, literally <laughs> like, like oh, months or even years later, you're like, this looks gross. And you're like, oh, there's a plastic <laughs> thing on this. Yeah. Yeah, so, but some of them are pretty hard to, sh to take off, so I'm not actually sure if I got them all, <laughs> but I think I got most of them. But then they have a base and then a little like plastic blue or red circle that goes around the base um, and you, know, you connect it all together and the blue or red is what team they're on there which player they are and so that one rotates around and shows their hit points which is kind of cool so I, I liked that and my kids like that too they actually cracked one of the standees because they were like playing with it <laughs> but, <Aww. laughs> but but it's still okay and then the, rules wise like the rule book comes into four chapters so like it's really good for people who are casual, like just getting into board games because like chapter one is simple. It tells you which characters to use. I think you're only using two characters and it doesn't have all the rules. And then like it adds more rules as the chapters go on. So it's good for learning, I think. But I just went straight to like chapter four because I'm more experienced and wanted to play the full game. And um, there's not a consolidated rule book with all of the rules in like one spot. It, there is one on BGG, I think, in the files page, but like not in the box. So it's kind of hard for reference for looking up things. So that also contributed to longer playtime than otherwise. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's course set. It's a casual one versus one game. I liked one versus one better than two versus two. So if you like like skirmish fighting games and you like Disney, then you should definitely try this out because 
the characters are pretty thematic. Like I said, with Aladdin stealing things and being fast and like Soli has a power where he can like warp through a door to get to another place on the board and then punch someone because like he, he travels through doors and Monsters, Inc. <laughs> so I liked that a lot. So yeah, that's Disney Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Alliance's core set. There are expansions with more characters, but I haven't played those. What's funny is I think the words core set actually make yours longer than mine, but uh, my my recently played game is also a long title. That is Quirky Circuits, Penny and Gizmo's Snow Day. So I think I'm fairly certain that I talked about Quirky Circuits on the podcast at some point after I first played it back. It released mm-hmm. in Gen Con, at Gen Con in 2019. And Eric Summerer and I, he, he got a copy of it at that Gen Con. And he and I sat in like a hotel room and played a whole bunch of the scenarios. I never got my own copy of Quirky Circuits, even though I really liked it. Well, Plaid Hat Games and designer Nikki Valens have released a new standalone expansion. It's not really an expansion per se, but it kind of is. It's a smaller box. It is a lower price point. And my opinion is that it is a little bit more approachable than the original. And that's not to say that the original isn't approachable, but the original box came with four different robots and a lot of different scenarios. And some of the robots were a little more fiddly than others and more difficult to figure out. In this version of the game, there are only two different robots. One of them is the same as the base set. So if you liked Gizmo, the cat on a Roomba from the base set, there's more Gizmo in this game and it's different boards. So if you like Gizmo, you get more Gizmo. And then there's a brand new robot in this one, Penny, who is a uh, penguin. penguin. And just to give you guys uh, basics of how the game works, if you're not familiar with Quirky Circuits, it is a programmed movement cooperative game in which all of the players are collectively trying to move some kind of robot around a board to accomplish tasks. And in the case of specifically like Gizmo, Gizmo is a cat who's riding on a Roomba and Gizmo wants to pick up all of the dust bunnies that are around in a particular room. And those might, those dust bunnies might be on the floor or they might be on a table and you might have to run into the table to knock the dust bunny off the table to then be able to pick it up. There are obstacles that will get in your way. And like I said, this is a programmed movement game and it's cooperative. So similarly to The Mind, which you all have heard Ambi talk about a whole bunch on the podcast, <laughs> me as well, you cannot communicate with your fellow players in the midst of playing cards down into the programming line. So all of the cards have some form of movement on them. So move one, move two, move three, move backwards, turn to the left, turn to the right, do a 180, so on and so forth. And when you play a card down into the line, you have to play it face down. The back of the card will generally give the other players some information about what you played. So they might know it's a turn card, but they won't know left, right, or 180. They'll know that it was a movement card, but not how far the movement was. And every round, the players are required to play at least five cards into the line. They can play more if they choose. And then once everyone has decided to stop, you flip over all of those cards and execute the programming in order. And it, things often go off the rails because you're like, oh, I thought you I thought you turned to the left, but you actually did a 180. And now the, the Roomba is yeah. running into things. And every time the Roomba bumps into something, it turns to the left automatically like a Roomba would. And so it gets very chaotic very quickly. 
So that's Gizmo who was in the first game. But then Penny, the new one, is a penguin. And when Penny slides down a slope, which are indicated by dotted lines on the board, she continues sliding until she runs into an (laughs) obstacle. So Mm. it's almost like those puzzles where you have to like move a piece like, you know, as far as you can move it before you can move it again, kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe what type of puzzle that is, but I've seen them before. And so you don't like with Gizmo, you often want to end up close to what your next goal is, right? Like that, if you're mm-hmm. like, as long as we can get close to it, we're fine. But with Penny, you often are going to be making long roundabout trips to try and get to places because she's going to keep sliding if she hits a <laughs> slope. So again, pure mayhem, chaos, all of that. It is so cute and so fun. Mm. The components are super great. The artwork is gorgeous. And this one does feel to me like in the original game, some of the robots were kind of pick up and deliver based. And it was a really hard to if you were not super good at the game. And I think this one is a little bit easier And the scenarios. There's a bunch of scenarios in the book that range from really easy to not so easy where you're, you know, having to maneuver under chairs or the slopes get wilder. I would recommend this to people if you loved quirky circuits like and you really really enjoyed it this is a good one to pick up in addition because it adds more of what you love and some new stuff if you've never played quirky circuits and you want a fun family weight game that introduces program movement which i'm sure Mm -hmm. kids will have a heyday with because they you know it'll all go off the walls immediately but you know just play some cards see what happens (laughs) i really enjoyed it uh Big thank you to Plaid Hat Games for sending this copy of the new version over to me. I really enjoyed it. So that's Quirky Circuits, Penny and Gizmo's Snow Day. Yay. A couple episodes ago, as you all might remember, we kind of thought of some new episode topics in the midst of a different episode. So we've been running through those. And today's topic, it's interesting because it touches on things that we've definitely discussed before, but with a different twist. So we were talking about games that we feel a non-gamer could somewhat easily teach to themselves without any or very much help or assistance. And I think this category could cross over with a lot of like gateway games that people would say but for me specifically when I was trying to think of games that would fall in this category I tried to shy away from like the standard gateway games that people tend to recommend all the time Mm -hmm. because a some of those gateway games are not that easy to learn if you aren't familiar with some of the mechanisms they might Mm -hmm. be easy to play if someone else teaches them to you but to me and also the term gateway game we've discussed before slightly problematic because it implies that you have to move on to something else later and obviously you don't but I'd say like kind of beginner hobby games would be maybe a more apropos term and in this instance I'm really looking at things like where the rules overhead isn't Mm -hmm. super intimidating to an average person but I also want to clarify I'm not an average person anymore I'm a hobby gamer and so it is hard to view things from that point of view because I haven't been there for so long yeah it's really hard to tell with yeah because we're we've been hobby gamers for a long time and yeah. we're doing like all these complex it's been games 84 so. years <laughs> <laughs> when we read a rule book we're like oh okay yeah that makes sense and you can like skim through it and like okay but if someone's new to that and hasn't played anything like that before they won't understand things that we take for granted so it's hard to know if someone can learn just from the rule book and i think it depends a lot on the rule book for 
people being able to teach themselves without any help because that's how you learn games from the rule book. Right, absolutely. And that it's and it's an interesting thing because obviously the people who are designing and publishing games are more like you and me. They're familiar mm. with things. And so things that seem simple to us might not be simple to someone else. Yeah. I kind of liken it to like when a new employee starts at my company, one of the first things that we tend to tell them is there's a lot of acronyms around here. Like we, as a, in, in the business, like tend to throw around acronyms all the time because that's just the easiest way to refer to things. And we forget that those acronyms mean nothing if you haven't been taught what they mean. And so what seems simple is not all that simple. And I think that's the case for games as well. Yeah, my old company had like a acronym page that... It's- Define we all did, the we do too. And I had it yeah. bookmarked. <laughs> yeah, like every now and then. And yeah. what's interesting is there are acronyms that like exist outside of my company, but then there yeah. are some that you would not have heard before, yeah. like unless you worked at my company. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for rule books, actually, like the game that I talked about and recently played, uh, Disney Sorcerer's Arena, the way it had different chapters to the rule book. Chapter one was when I read through it, it was super simple, but like for someone new to the game who hasn't played other games like it before, that would be a good way to start out, I think, because they could learn just by reading chapter one and play through that game. And so maybe something like that is something that a non-gamer could easily teach themselves. Absolutely. And I do, I don't know, I have a specific example in mind, but there are a lot of hobby games that have like a simple or easy or family Mm -hmm. mode that Mm -hmm. I think you and me and probably a lot of other hobby gamers will instantly skip past (laughs) if we can tell like, like, oh, like, you know, it'll say, um, don't add in like player powers for your first Mm -hmm. game, for instance. Yeah, like a lot of cooperative games do that, like Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Has like the family mode and then they add like all the hazmat and other stuff in the expert mode. (laughs) Right. And I think for, yeah, those of us that have been in the hobby for a while, we can take a quick glance at those things and go, Mm -hmm. oh, we can add this in right away and we're fine. Mm -hmm. But really, when you leave those things out, it does make the game easier to learn and Mm -hmm. easier to play, especially Mm -hmm. for a first time or somebody who's not as familiar with gaming. Yeah. Something else that I was thinking about because I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I have a lot of games that I came up with that I would say are rules light or mechanically simple. And those, I think, are going to be good options. Obviously, a lot of party games. Some favorites of mine, like King Domino, No Thanks, Suro. Games like that, I think, are mm-hmm. light enough mechanically that you can learn them fairly easily, even if you're not familiar with the me- mechanisms in advance. But I was trying to think of more complex games. Like, let's say you have a friend who is not a hobby gamer, but has seen you do this board game thing, and they want to jump in the deep end. They don't want, you know, the kid games. They don't want the family games. They really want to try <laughs> something cool. And so I was thinking about app-assisted games. A lot mm. of the newer games that involve an app, the app kind of deals with a lot of the heavy lifting that makes some games difficult. So, for instance, like Mansions of Madness, the original edition was a very difficult game to set yeah. up correctly. And if you messed even one thing up, it could have broken the game fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Whereas more recent editions of Mansions of Madness, the app handles a lot of the stuff and tells you how to set up the tiles. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, there's a lot of components. There yeah, is, it's, it's still not... still a thick rule book. <laughs> Correct. But like, it, so there's a lot of concepts to learn. But I think for a game that is that complex, I think it's uh-huh. more approachable because of the app. Yeah. I was going to say like, I know one example of a game that's not good to start with. <laughs> <'Cause>, 
because like Arkham Horror second edition was like one of the first ones that Toby had bought and like he got it read the rule book and then was just like I think his brother came into his room while he was reading the rule book and like his brother said he saw saw Toby just like on the bed with like this lost look on his face like (laughs) so confused and like he's like what what happened (laughs) because he was just trying to learn how to play I think he had like watched a couple videos and was reading the rules and like still didn't know. So yeah, the, <laughs> probably having an app, if it were like a, one of the newer games with an app, that would have helped a lot probably. <laughs> I think there's a lot of small card games that would probably be relatively easy to teach. The way I kind of considered this category is if I gifted this game to somebody else and wasn't there to teach it to them, you know, do I reasonably mm-hmm. think they would be able to learn it? And yeah. there are games in my collection that I think people wouldn't generally put on a gateway game list that would actually fit on those lists and work for this kind of category as well. Things like New York Slice. Really, mm-hmm. like that one, I don't hear people talk about that often. It's a, got a really fun theme. It comes in what looks like a pizza box. Like, I think there's a lot of things going for a game like that because it draws people in and it gets them interested. Mm-hmm. And the theme fits in with the mechanisms, which I think also helps people learn it because mm-hmm. it makes sense to split up a pizza. Yeah. It's hard for me to think of like specific examples like that. And I'm just thinking about like all my hobby games that have cool themes <laughs> and and then like they have different modes of play for like you can start with free play and then <laughs> and then you have the cooperative mode and and actually those rule books are written for people who aren't gamers I think cuz it's for the parents of little kids and it says like oh like it has an intro at the beginning like oh congratulations you've bought this game these games are good for childhood development and stuff so it has like an intro to gaming in general kind of at the beginning so i guess that's an example of possibly rulebooks written for non-gamers right because i it's honestly it has to be difficult for publishers and designers Mm -hmm. because you don't want to bloat the rulebook unnecessarily with too much info that your you know that your players don't need but you also don't want to be exclusionary and not mm-hmm. explain things that people might not already know and striking yeah. that balance making a game both approachable and not overly cumbersome to read through the rule book i do not envy the position yeah. of the people who have to finalize those rule books and as you said haba honestly i think does a really good job not just with their games made for young children but even mm-hmm. their family weight games things like karuba and mm-hmm. honga things like that are mm-hmm. their rule books tend to be i think a little easier to parse than some other games of that weight And I think it is because they're like, as a company, Haba knows how to write simplistic rule books. And I don't mean simplistic as an insult, obviously. And so I think that they kind of have a better grasp on how to write things as simply as possible is probably Mm -hmm. the better way to say that. Yeah, that's like a definite skill that is very useful. (laughs) So as our listeners know, I've designed a game in the past. And I actually found that writing the rules for Cruciverbalist uh, a few years ago was actually really difficult because Mm -hmm. even when things made sense in my head, getting them onto paper in a way that was both concise and clear was really difficult. And I'm Mm -hmm. a professional copywriter. So (laughs) like it was very difficult. And Ambie, you've been working on a children's book, which I imagine honestly has a lot of parallels to rule book writing in that like there's like a simplicity but you also want it to be dynamic and interesting too even though it's made Mm -hmm. for young children 
Yeah, I guess. Well, so the, in my book, which is Board Game Day, it's going to be on Kickstarter soon. Um, but, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the book is just going to be the difference between a children's book and a rule book is that a rule book has to convey information. So you have to learn more from it. Whereas a children's book, well, at least the one that I'm doing is not super informative. It's more like telling a little story, this fun story with rhymes and stuff. So it's a different type of skill, I think. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But but yeah, it, it is still a skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've gotten to see uh, your book and it's amazing so uh everybody that has young children in their life whether that be in their own family or friends or whatever else is definitely going to want to keep an eye out for when your kickstarter launches yay and then they can they can get into board games and and be able to learn them and and teach other kids who are non-gamers and then board gamers (laughs) will take over the world And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Late pledge for your copy of Last Light today by heading to lastlightgame.com. Trust us, we've played it and we love it. And if you want to get non-exclusive Gray Fox Games for 20% off, use the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout at grayfoxgames.com. Join the Tier community for community game nights and more on Discord by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marr. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time, we are strangers to games. Don't know the rules. Let's learn them now. Bye, everyone. Bye.